verses 28 through 40. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throw in their cloaks on the colt. They set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the word of our Lord. Well, good morning. As we prepare to open God's word together, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, your word is truth, and we pray now that your Holy Spirit would use the truths we're about to read and apply them to our daily lives, that we might live to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure I had some notes here somewhere. Well, for the next few moments, I want you to, uh, all of us together, in fact, to try to imagine what it must have been like to be among those who stood on the streets of Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. I'll even let you close your eyes if you don't, if you'd like, and as long as you promise not to fall asleep. The city would have been bustling with people as worshipers from all over Palestine and considerably farther afield, in fact, Um, indeed from as far as the distant corners of the the Roman Empire, had begun to gather uh, in preparation for the annual Passover festival. For centuries, there had been a tradition that as they made their way towards the holy city, travelers would recite what are known as the Psalms of Ascents. And those are the 15 Psalms in the Book of Psalms, uh, beginning with Psalm 120. And many of those psalms remain familiar uh, to us today as they become entrenched in our Christian worship. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are like the Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, We were like those who dream. Unless the Lord builds the house, 
Those who build it labor in vain. Those are all familiar to us, aren't they? And those were what was sung uh, by the pilgrims as they made their way uh, towards Jerusalem. And so it was literally that there was music in the air as Jesus and and his followers made their way towards the holy city. Our Bible reading opens with them looking across at the city from the top of the slope that separates it from the Mount of Olives. And I find myself hearing the the distant echoes of those psalms uh, being sung in the background. As they made their way down the twisting road through the valley and then up towards the city. Um, Whoops. Jesus uh, knew uh, what awaited him there. Indeed, he'd been warning his followers uh, for some months. See, he said to them, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. In fact, Jesus had warned them on at least three separate occasions what was going to happen to him. However, the disciples really hadn't paid very much attention at the time. Plus, I suspect that by this time, they were so caught up by the excitement of the coming Passover celebration that those words of foreboding had almost faded entirely from their minds. They would have had no idea of the darkness that was about to engulf them over the coming days. And it was on, in that context that Jesus came to them with a request. He said, go into the village ahead of you. There, on entering, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord has need of it. Well, these instructions uh, seem strange to me, almost like something out of a James Bond movie, aren't they? However, the disciples seemed to think nothing of it. And they went on their way unquestioningly, following Jesus' instructions to the very letter. As it turned out, everything was exactly as Jesus had told them. But little did they know that they were embarking on a trajectory that would lead to treachery, betrayal, torture, and death. Now, they were happy to obey Jesus and to carry out his instructions. But in a few days' time, they would see this same Jesus, whom they had come to love and to adore, this same Jesus roughly arrested, unjustly tried, brutally tortured, and nailed to a cross to die a slow, agonizing death. And they would find themselves cowering behind locked doors in fear for their very lives. Piece by piece, everything that they had come to believe in and to hold dear over the previous three years would be turned on its head. Well, the next scene in our story this morning takes us to the gates of Jerusalem. Located high atop Mount Zion, 
and surrounded by thick stone walls, the city would have made an impressive sight, especially for those who came from the, the towns and the villages of the countryside. I'm reminded of one of my visits uh, to New York City. I was with a friend and we were walking together uh, through the streets of Manhattan when a stranger came up to us and said, you're visitors here, aren't you? When we asked him what gave us away, he replied, it's because you're looking up, not ahead. <laughs> All our attention had been riveted on those enormous skyscrapers that towered above us to the point where we weren't paying any attention at all to where we were going and practically bumping into people. Well, I can imagine a similar dynamic taking place with many of the pilgrims from the tiny hamlets of Palestine, among them Jesus' disciples. There were more than a quarter of a million of them jostling along through its narrow streets, and everything about that city would have prompted oohs and ahs. And at the center of it all was the magnificent temple occupying 36 acres of land. Its 50-foot-high uh, gates flanked by enormous columns, its gold glistening in the hot Middle Eastern sun, it would have been an impressive sight, even to modern eyes. Already more than 46 years under construction, it would not be fully completed for another four decades. Now add to that the excitement and anticipation over the coming celebration of Passover. And then into this scene, there enters a strange sight, a man riding on a donkey, with other men going before him and spreading their cloaks along his path as though he were some kind of king or, or royalty. And this leads uh, to what seems to have been a spontaneous outburst of excitement as some join in and, and begin to spread their garments on the road, whilst others cut down palm trenches, branches from the nearby trees and lay them on the cobblestones. And meanwhile, all of this is accompanied by joyful shouts of Hosanna, and blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Of course, we all know that within the space of a few short days, the jubilant cheers of that multitude were turned to shouts of crucify. Among them, there might even have been some of those who passed by him as he hung naked on the cross, who jeered at him and mocked him with the words, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself and us. Then there were the religious authorities who would have none of this spontaneous celebration. Teacher, they snapped, rebuke your disciples. To which Jesus replied, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Now my suspicion is that the stones that Jesus is referring to were the gigantic megaliths that formed the base of the temple. Some of them weighed as much as 500 tons. And you may recall that on a previous visit to Jerusalem, one of Jesus' disciples had drawn attention to them. Look, he said, and I can imagine the wonderment in his voice. 
Look, what massive stones and what enormous buildings. Now let me ask, can you think of anything more inanimate, more dead than a stone? Particularly one of, of that size, 500 tons. And yet Jesus says, if human voices were silent, the very stones would cry out. Well, what did he mean? Was he just being poetic? Was he using, was he using exaggeration to get his point across? Well, maybe, but I think there was more. And my reason is this, because at the cross, everything would change. And I mean everything. It was not just a matter of closing the gap that separates you and me from God on account of our sin. What was happening on the cross would radically affect the entire created order, even the rocks. For it was on the cross that Jesus would defeat once and forever the cosmic powers of sin and evil and death. All that is wrong and sinful and out of step with God's will in the universe would be defeated. We get a glimpse of what was happening in Matthew's remarkable account of what took place in Jerusalem at the moment when Jesus gave up his spirit. And I suspect you're familiar with these verses. And behold, the temple of, sorry, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And so it is that when we get finally to the book of Revelation, we find the aged John peering through his astonished eyes, not just to catch a dream of things made better, but to be captured by a vision of the whole of creation in all of its entirety, the whole of creation being transformed. What he gazed upon was a new heaven and a new earth. For, he says, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The apostle Paul expressed the same kind of understanding in his letter to the Romans, when he wrote these words, I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only creation, but we ourselves, who had the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. So as we move through this Holy Week from Palm Sunday towards the observance of Good Friday and Easter, 
if I leave you with anything, I want to leave you with a cosmic vision of what was taking place as our Lord and his disciples made their way into the holy city. When Jesus was to utter those words from the cross, it is finished. He was not just saying that his life was coming to an end. He was doing away once and for all with sin and evil and death and all that is wrong in God's created universe. He was ushering in a whole new creation made perfect in accordance with the will and pleasure of his Father. In the words of the Apostle Paul, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Somewhere here, maybe I don't have it. I thought I had it anyway. I have a book that was written by New Testament scholar Tom Wright. Oh, I know what it is. Oh, well. It's there, is it? <laughs> it doesn't matter that much. <laughs> um, um, he wrote a book about the crucifixion about six years ago. Um, it's 418 pages long. And it's, it has a dramatic title, The Day the Revolution Began. And in his conclusion to this massive study, he wrote this, and please forgive me for quoting it at length. With all this, we lift up our eyes and realize that we have been so concerned with getting to heaven, with sin as the problem blocking the way, that we have forgotten that the Gospels give us the atonement, not as a neat little system, but as a powerful, many-sided, rich, revelatory narrative in which we are invited to find ourselves, or rather lose ourselves, and be found again on the other side. We have gone wading in the shallow and stagnant waters of medieval questions and answers, when only a few yards away is the vast and dangerous ocean of the gospel story inviting us to plunge in and let the waves of dark glory wash over us, wash us through and through, and land us on the shores of God's new creation. The obedience of the disciples would quickly turn to fear. The shouts of Hosanna that rang through the streets of Jerusalem would soon be no more than an echo but the day is coming when even the stones will not be silent, but will resound with the joyful chorus of the redeemed. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Let's be sure that you and I are part of that crowd. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, words cannot express. And how can we begin to thank you 
for what you gave your son to do for us on the cross. And as we sing your joyful praises today, help us to give our whole selves, heart and body and soul to you and to rejoice that one day with all creation we will stand at the throne of the Lamb and sing worthy is the one who was slain. Amen. <laughs>